We're really glad you're here with us this morning. And uh, for those of you who, who came a little bit later, you missed out on, on uh, our little crowd breaker. And uh, how, you know, the one thing I didn't see, I just wanted you to raise your hands because um, I am very much a dog person. As a matter of fact, cats, cats, um, I don't like cats really at all, just to be honest with you. Um, I mean, I guess the only, only way you can like cats is the fact they taste like chicken. But um, so, so raise your hand for me really quick. Are you a dog person? Raise your hand. Okay, good. I just want to make sure we had a predominant, you know, godly group in here. Um, so um, we, we've, uh, this morning is, is going to be fun. We're gonna, we're, I'm really looking forward to seeing what God is going to do this morning over the next couple of weeks and even next couple of months. Looking forward to uh, wrapping up the book of Ephesians. That's where we're at right now. And uh, if you want to open up your Bibles, we went into Ephesians chapter 5 last week, and we're going to be back in there again today. Um, but, you know, as we wrap up the book of Ephesians, we're going to have a few little things that we do throughout. We're going to have a special, um, special Sunday on September 18th where it's a back-to-church Sunday. Um, that'll be our kickoff Sunday as well. I know it's a week after the NFL football season starts, but that's the day we're going to ask you all to wear your football jerseys or whatever jerseys you want to wear if you're not a football fan. Um, that, once again, is probably we should have had a football or baseball kind of thing. But, um, you know, we're just going to have some fun over the next couple of weeks. And as we get into uh, even the 24th of September, we're going to start a new series uh, on a book called Not a Fan. And it's all about uh, being a fan or a follower of Jesus and where you fall at. So um, those are the things we're going to be doing. And like I said, we're looking forward to what's, what's to come. And how it's going to happen. Um, if you found your way to the book of Ephesians last week, I'm not sure if you remember, we had a big table full of Mr. Potato Heads up here last week and talked about taters and the different kind of taters that there are out there and all the different taters that are really within the church, but there should only be one that really is that important, and that is being an imitator, an imitator of God. And that was the verse that we talked about last week. Um, we found it in chapter, uh, chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Reading from the New Living Translation, it says, Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. We've been called to be a mimicker, a mime of God. Mimes, as we talked about last week, do it with their actions, not so much with their mouths. We need to not worry so much about what we're saying. I mean, we do need to, I shouldn't say it that way, that, that came out wrong. Uh, but more than just what we're saying. It's also the actions that back up the words that come out of our mouth. And so we need to, when it says here in the verse, live a life filled with love, it's not just saying I love you, it's showing the world that we love them. It's showing people that we love them by actions, not just words. Because that's what God does, that's what God did, and that's what we're to do. We're to imitate, our, imitate God and do our best to be like him in everything that we do. 3 John 11 tells us this. It says, Dear friends, don't let this bad example influence you. Follow only what is good. Basically saying to imitate God. Imitate the good and not the bad. Remember that those who do good, and I want to emphasize the word do, Good prove that they are God's children, and those who do evil prove that they do not know God. The first way to imitate God that Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 5 is to live a life 
of love. Follow Christ's example of offering his life because he loved us. That's one of those things that we look at, one of the things we think about. We don't really let our minds take it in sometimes, though, that God loved us so much that he gave his son. God loved us so much that he gave his son for us. This week, what I want to do is I want to talk about this living a life of love that we we touched on last week, and then carry it on on the how. How? How do we continue to imitate God? How else is there in the ways that we live to imitate God? Verses 3 through 7 give us our next point in that how. It says, Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes, these are not for you. Instead, let there be a thankfulness to God. You can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. For a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins, for the anger of God will fall upon them and all who disobey Him. Do not participate in the things these people do. After Paul tells us to live a life filled with love, to walk in love, he tells us next to walk in purity. He tells us to walk in purity. I'm not sure if you remember a few weeks ago, but as we were going through Ephesians chapter 4, Paul was talking about this old self that we had. This old self that we needed to take off and put on the new self and not go back to it. It's kind of like old dirty clothes. Once you get a new, new set of clothes on, you don't go back to the old dirty clothes. He says, take off that old junk, put on the new stuff, and leave the old stuff away. Well, this is where he comes back to this with a few more specific sins to leave in the dust, to leave alone. The first one is, is sexual immorality. This is something the church doesn't like to talk about much. For whatever reason, the church doesn't like to get into this particular thing, but Paul uses the words immorality, impurity, and greed. This is one of those things that's all about uncontrolled sexual desires. Uncontrolled sexual desires. It has to do with affairs. It has to do with sex outside of marriage. It has to do with pornography and everything in between. And society has made these things fairly status quo. It's normal. It's okay. Watch TV. All the things they talk about on TV, all the things they show on TV, anything that basically is after 7 o'clock, it'll revolve around somebody having an affair or somebody having sex outside of marriage or somebody joking about pornography or somebody doing all these things, and it's okay. That's what they'll tell you. But it's not. And Paul wants to make sure we understand this. It's a huge problem. It was a huge problem in the church at Ephesus. It was a huge problem in the city of Ephesus. That's why Paul wrote it to them. And that's why Paul wrote, writes it to us. Because it has become a real problem. Funny thing is, and not funny haha, funny in a kind of a weird sort of way, this last couple of weeks, um, Ed Stetzer, and I'm not sure if you have any idea who Ed Stetzer is. He's a Lifeway. Uh, Lifeway is, is part of the Southern Baptist Convention. But he's a, a Lifeway blogger and researcher. And what he's been doing is, is taking uh, 
pornography and breaking it down in a statistical way to share what a huge problem it is. Listen to this. It's estimated to uh, pornography, the, the porn business, is estimated to be $100 billion a year business worldwide. $100 billion a year. In the U.S. alone, $13.6 billion will be spent on pornography this year. $13.6 billion. People of all ages have anonymous access, access to it because there are 24.6 million websites that have pornography in them. That is 12% of the entire internet. 12% of the entire internet is porn. 25% of all internet searches, when you go to Google and you type in a thing, 25% of the times that people visit Google, it has to do with pornography. That's 68 million uh, 68 million searches a day. That's crazy. Did you know the highest, highest day of the year that people search for pornography is? Sunday. Sunday. Sundays are the highest day. Thanksgiving is actually the lowest. So I guess people are thankful that they don't have to, to you, know, you know, get on the computer. I don't know. But the, the thing is, is you think about that stuff and... Um, you know, I have friends that are police officers. Every one of them I talk to, every one of them I talk to, when they have to go into a house that is filled with drugs and, and uh, meth labs and things like that, they always, always, always find pornography in it. Always. And those things are, are just some of the, the, the small things. Every second, $3,075 is spent on porn. Every second. And in that same second, there's 28,000 people looking at it. Does that just bother you in the least bit? And the thing is, it's not like they said, this is all non-Christians that are doing it. This is all just the world that's doing it. There's people within the church that are doing this stuff, that are on those things. <clears throat> the saddest thing of all, the, of, all of them that, that really broke my heart when I saw this is that 116,000 searches on Google each day aren't just pornography, it's child pornography. And that kills me. That these kids' innocence are being taken away because of people who cannot control these uncontrolled sexual desires. The problem is that society, like I said, has made it acceptable. It's made an acceptable thing. It's okay to have an affair. It's okay to do this. Do what you want. Please yourself. And it's been made acceptable. And, and Paul tells the church at Ephesus, and he tells us, and he even tells the church at Rome, if you look in the book of Romans chapter 12, he says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Let your mind be renewed. Get all the junk out. Take that old self and throw it away. Get the new self involved. Put the new self on. The past wasn't that great. Why does he tell us all that? Well, because in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus tells us to be what? Salt and light. Salt and light. Not to continue to walk in the darkness. Not to continue to lose our saltiness. He wants the church to be the changing of this culture. A way to affect what is going on all around us. You probably have at least one person in your life that you know does not know Jesus Christ as a personal Savior. And that same person you know lives like it. 
They live like a non-Christian. They live a lot of times without the high moral standard that, that Christ has called us to, to change, to become. And we say, oh, what's wrong with them? Well, what's wrong with them is they don't know Christ. And why do they not know Christ? Well, because we haven't done an effective job at being the light and the salt that needs to be there. I'm not sure if you've ever watched the TV show Seinfeld. Um, I'd I'd hate to, yeah, I'm just going to say never. I'd be lying. But, um, you know, I I watched it all the time growing up. And it's funny because we watch shows like that. I'm a fan of The Office. One of, the, one of the famous lines from The Office is, that's what she said. It's, it's all about the coarse joking that Paul says for us not to be a part of. But one of the shows on Seinfeld, actually, um, they, they're making fun of political correctness and, and, uh, and homosexuality and some of the different things that went with it. But it was this whole idea of, well, not that there's anything wrong with that. And I'm not sure if you remember that show, but they kept saying that over and over again. Because they didn't want to come across as being homophobic, and at the same time, they didn't want to come across as, as being homosexual, either one. So they, would, they, they made a joke out of this, not that there's anything wrong with that. But the problem is that there is something wrong with it. When we say not that there's anything wrong with it, there is something wrong with it. And that's why Paul tells us that we're not called to imitate the world. Because the world will say there's not anything wrong with it. We're called to imitate God who sets strict standards and says, hey, this is what I want from you. And as we go through the book of Ephesians, I've told you already many, many times that the book of Ephesians isn't like a a book of rules. It's broken up into two sections. The first three chapters told us all about how God loved us and all the things that he did for us. The last three chapters, which we're in now, should be our response to him loving us. We should want to change and be more like him because of what he's done for us. It's not because he says, hey, this is what you have to do if you want me to love you. No, he loved us first, and this is our response to him. So don't, make, don't get thinking that I'm being legalistic or anything like that. We need to respond in a way that is loving. We need to walk in love. We need to walk in purity. And that goes for sexual immorality. And the second part was that goes for the coarse joking. And that goes for all these things that come out of our mouth. We had a life in the past. All of us did. All of us have a past. But when Jesus came into our life, a change has taken place. And it will continue to change. Our lives will continue to change until the day we die. We'll continue to become more and more like him and continue this this pattern. And the whole idea here is, is for us to let the past go. Can I be honest with you? Is there anybody in here that can raise your hand and say, my past was so much better than it is right now. My life without God was so much better than it is with God. There's probably not anybody that can actually say that. I mean, you might be able to say, well, I had less things happen, less challenges in my life because I wasn't fighting against Satan. Like I said this morning, it was funny because a friend of mine um, from, from Flagstaff he uh, texted me this morning and said, hey, praying for you this morning, brother. God's going to do some great things in your church. He texted me that 10 minutes before Blaine called me to say, I cannot get the trailer hooked up to my truck. This was 10 minutes after we should already have the trailer here. And by an hour later, we finally had the trailer here and all kinds of crazy things were going on. I said, of course God's going to do some great things because Satan's a punk and he's trying to get in the way of what we're doing right now. And, and that's what this morning was all about. And it's just funny because I came in and I was energized all week this week about this morning. 
about getting out of that routine, about doing something different, about hearing what God wants us to do and how God wants us to walk. As a matter of fact, Paul talks about in uh, the book of Philippians, talking to the church of Philippi, you've probably heard this verse a time or two, but it is verses 8 and 9 of chapter 4. It says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true. Have this mindset. Get rid of the filthy stuff. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice, which means do. All you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Paul was the first example, saying, I'm not just telling you to do it, I'm doing it myself. Follow my example. And you know what? There's a lot, a lot of Christians in the world that want to tell everybody what to do, but they're not setting an example. And that's a bad thing. That's called hypocrisy. That's not a way we should be representing Jesus Christ and the love that he has for us and the love that he had for the world. He says here in our verse, in verse 5, some harsh words if we do participate in it. He says, you can be sure that no immoral or impure or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. A greedy person is an idolater worshiping the things of this world. That's a, that's a pretty heavy verse. Does that mean that if you're a Christian that looks at porn, or if that you're a, a Christian that's had an affair, that you're going to hell? I mean, it, it kind of comes across that way if you really want to get legalistic about it. But I don't think it does. I don't think it does. But what it does mean is the same thing that is written in the book of Titus, chapter 2, verses 11 through 14. For the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. And that we are instructed to turn from godless living. Instructed. We've been told to do this. To turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. We should live in this evil world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God. Not devotion to the world. Not worshiping these other things. While we look forward to, uh, with hope to that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ will be revealed. He gave his life to free us from every kind of sin. That's why Jesus came and died, was to free us from sin, to cleanse us, and to make us his very own people totally committed to doing good deeds. Why did Jesus come and die for us? To begin to cleanse us, to change our lives. Our whole theme here is, come as you are, be changed, and go change the world. Come as you are. I'm not asking anybody to come in here and have to be a perfect Christian when you walk into the door. There's so many churches that will do that. They'll give the look at, oh, that person doesn't belong here because they have too many tattoos or they don't have the right clothes on or they have whatever it might be. I don't care about any of that stuff. But what I do care is that when you come as you are, that you're okay with letting God change you. That you're okay with letting God, op- you open the door to your heart and letting God change who you are to cleanse us, to free us from every kind of sin, to be totally committed to doing what he wants, not what we want. Our salvation in Christ should be changing us. Those people who are saying, yes, I'm a Christian, but they will not give up the old world ways, have they really let God come into their lives and change their hearts? I don't know. It's not for me to judge. But it also talks about in the book of Matthew that there's going to be sheep and there's going to be goats and there's going to be people that say, hey, we did all this stuff for you, God. But they never let God in. And God says, away from you, evildoers. I never knew who you were. What is that all about? That's something we're actually going to talk about when we get into that Not A Fan series. I'm really looking forward to that already. 
There's some real heavy things that are talking about here, but I think when it comes right down to it, that if you'd rather worship a sexual image on your computer versus worship God, the change might not be taking place in your life. If you would rather worship the foul talk and all those things that go with it, rather than worshiping God and praising Him with your mouth, there's some things we need to talk about. Purity should be one of the changes that begins to happen in our lives. The first way we imitate God is to walk in love. The second way is to walk in purity. The third way is to walk in the light. To walk in the light, it says here in verse 8 of Ephesians 5, For you were once full of darkness, but now you have the light from the Lord. So, live as people of the light. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. It is shameful to even talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret. But their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them, for the light makes everything visible. This is why it is said, Awake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Have you ever heard the term, they're as different as night and day? Most of us have heard it because it is different. Night and day are completely different. And that's what God is trying to, or Paul is trying to tell us and God is trying to tell us here is that we were once the night and when Jesus came into our life, he brought light to us. Our lives should be that much different. That we should be changing. Our lives should be changing. And if we really think about it, how is light and dark different? Well, last night, one of the, one of the great things about having this, uh, this dry mouth, and by the way, I, I didn't tell you guys, this week I uh, got to go to the doctor, and they said, uh, the, the doctor said, I'm actually healing much quicker than uh, anybody expected. Um, I'm about seven weeks out, and they said I, I'm healing at a process where most people are at in six months. So, um, and I, and that's, it was great to hear. Um, and, and one of the things that I told her was, you know, I got, I got people all around the world, literally all around the world praying for me, and, and that's, that's a direct answer to that. And uh, she asked me if I was having any problems, and one of the things was, was this dry mouth that I have constantly. That's why I have three different uh, water sources up here. Um, but one of the things is, is, is the more water you drink, uh, it, it helps the mouth get moist a little bit, but it also makes your bladder fill up. And uh, so uh, in the middle of the night, I feel like I'm an 80-year-old man. I am going to the bathroom three, four times a night. And uh, every night, uh, my furniture has not moved, um, but I seem to run into something on the way to the bathroom uh, with my knee, with my toe, with my chest, uh, just constantly running into something. Um, during the day, I don't do that. Well, part of the reason why I don't do that is because there is light that is there, and it keeps us from stumbling around. And I think what God is even saying here is, is that there is this different difference. We stumbled around the darkness in our lives for so, so long. We stumbled around the darkness in our lives for so long. When the light comes in, the stumbling should stop. We should be able to see those things are exposed, and, and, and everything changes in our lives. And there's some different things that I want to show, some different things that, that we see even here in this verse, in this passage that Paul talks about. Some of the things that are different. What's one of the differences that, that walking in light produces? And that is, that is good fruit. That is good fruit. The, things come out of our lives. It only produces what is good, right, and true. And that's what it tells us here in verse 9. For light within you produces only what is good, right, and true. When we're walking in the light, these things should be growing in our lives. The good things. 
the right things, the true things. The second thing is, is that walking in the light helps determine what is pleasing to God. You want to test your motives? You want to test your attitude? You want to test your thoughts to see if they're pleasing to God? If you're walking in the light, those things will be exposed. We just need to find out what's pleasing to God and do those things and not worry about what other people think and not worry about what other people say because there's always going to be somebody who has a comment. There's always going to be somebody who has, well, this is the way it should be. If we just look at what God says and what God wants and do that, who cares what anybody else says? The third thing is is that walking in light exposes evil. Walking in light exposes evil. Evil always seems to lurk in the dark. Always seems to lurk in the dark. There's never the shady area of town that is brightly lit. The shady area of town is always the one that's a little darker. Watch movies, watch TV shows, read books, comic books. It's always darker when it's talking about evil. You know, I, was, I got to thinking about this. Um, John 8 talks about a woman that is caught in adultery. And if you've ever had a, time, a chance to read that, there's always questions that pop up about all these Pharisees and Sadducees who brought this woman who was caught in adultery before Jesus. One of the questions is, is that if she's caught in adultery, there should be a man involved. Where was he? Why didn't he get brought out? And the other thing that I was noticing, and, and as I was doing this, that whole idea of evil being exposed by light, these guys were really trying to capture Jesus. They were trying to trick him into something. They're, they're really being evil in the whole situation here. And when they brought him out, or brought this woman out, their evil deeds were exposed by the light. I mean, they were bringing him to the light, that, the actual light, the, the way, the truth, and the life, the light. And when they brought it out, the woman's adultery wasn't what was brought out and clear. You know what was brought out? Was the hypocrisy of the men who did it. Because he said, hey, whoever the first one in here that has no sin in their life, you be the first one to throw the first stone. What did they all do? They all dropped their stones and they left. Because evil, when it is in the light, is exposed for exactly what it is. And the thing is, and the fourth thing is, is that with that, there's a cleansing that takes place. Because when we are walking in the light, there are going to be people who don't like us. There are going to be people who say, stop trying to force your religion down my throat and you don't have to say a word. It's just a lifestyle. It's just walking in the light. That's what happens. But it also can be a testimony and it can change people's lives. And that's what happened. Jesus' life changed those people's lives without having to really say anything at all. And that's why the end of the verse says, wake up. Wake up, O sleeper. Live the life that you were called to live. Don't live in this dark grossness that's there. You know, we tend to, to be okay with eating out of the gutters when God has got a table full of delicious food waiting for us just to live a life that is called that way. So walk in love. Walk in purity. Walk in Wisdom is our next one. Walk in wisdom. This is probably one of my favorite verses. If uh, any of the kids in here that have been in our youth group, you have, uh, you have done our Ephesians 5, 15, and 16. This is where it comes in. It says, well, be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but those who are wise. 
Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. And give thanks to everything uh, give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Like I said, these, are, these first two verses here are probably some of my favorite verses of Scripture. And, and uh, Stephen and, and Juanita, if you guys wouldn't mind coming forward, we're going to uh, pray here in just a second. Um, but these two verses are ones that I've, I've taught in, in youth group for 13 years of my life. And th- this is a verse that I actually remembered from the time I was in youth group that, that I was taught. And it says this. And I, I like the New American Standard Version. I was reading the New Living Translation. But uh, the New American Standard Version says, Be careful how you walk. Be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time, because the days are evil. And I, um, I would do uh, sign language to it, but I don't know it, and I made up my own to, to, to remember, but I don't want them laughing at me, so I'm just going to leave that off today. Um, the, uh, the whole idea here is, is that we have to be careful how we're walking because people are walking, are watching. Not as unwise men, but as wise. Not as unwise women, but as wise. Tomorrow, a lot of our kids will start school. The kids are sitting over there. A couple of days ago, a lot of our high schoolers and junior highers started school already. When they're walking through the classrooms, they are surrounded by darkness. Every day, our kids get to walk into a mission field. Just like if you work in any place that is secular, you're walking into a mission field every day. How is your walk? Are you walking in love? Are you walking in light? Are you walking in purity? Are you walking in wisdom? How is your walk? I've asked Stephen and and Juanita to pray this morning just to take a couple of minutes to pray this morning of our kids going back to school because what a huge opportunity. You know, they always say, well, we're trying to take God out of the schools. Well, you can't do that when you're forcing Christians to go. Okay, that's just, that's just the way it is. When state law says you have to go to school, God's in here. It's not, a, it's not a church building. We are the church. The church goes into the school every day. And we need to pray for those kids, that how they walk, that the example that they are. We need to pray for our adults as well, how they walk, the example they are. So would you guys mind coming up? Um, either one of you be first. And, and Corey, can you uh, turn on Jerome's mic for me? Let's pray together. Thank you, Lord, for bringing us together and giving Matt the incredible direction and wisdom to teach a message on such amazing, beautiful things that are covered in darkness in the world. And our beautiful children who have to be a part of this world. Dear God, cover them, protect them, put a shield around them, Heavenly Father, where they can grow up in you, dear God, and their hearts can, can be 
led towards you. Give them good examples in their home, Heavenly Father, of what love looks like, what gentleness looks like, what meekness looks like, what wisdom looks like, dear Lord. Help them to be able to raise, be raised in an environment that is pleasing to you, dear Lord. And as they enter into school, Heavenly Father, God bless their teacher and, and all of their schoolmates, dear Lord, that, there would, that you would be with them and that no amount of darkness that would be in their presence would affect, would affect children who have, are learning to place their trust in you and, and every single one of their classmates, dear Lord. Let that little child be a vessel for you, dear God, to show them your ways. And as they grow up, oh, Heavenly Father, protect their hearts. Protect their actions, guide them, and teach them that their body is your vessel, dear Lord. Keep them from any, any sexual immorality, Heavenly Father, any, anything that would not please you, dear Lord. Help them learn how to love you and what love really means, dear God, that love is not what the world has taught us, has shown us, what we see on television or in movies. Help them to remember that's not what love is, dear God. Heavenly Father, help them learn not to be the status quo not to be led by the standards of the world, Heavenly Father, but that their standard be set by you, that the love in their heart come from you, and that they not become victims to the status quo of the world, Heavenly Father. Just protect them. Let them know that it is your way that is pleasing, dear God, and, and let their love for you not be measured by anybody else, dear God, but the Holy Spirit inside of them. Don't let them look to the left or to the right, dear Lord, to determine how to love you. I pray over their parents that they would not only be that they would not only be instruments for the Lord and good examples that but that they would be prayerful parents, dear Lord, and to trust in you and to let them grow up with your values and what you consider to be pure, right, and true and not to, not to show them, dear God, that having things in this world is what matters. In Jesus' name I pray. Father God, we continue and agree with what we've already prayed. You're a God that gives us strength, a God that gives us hope. In your name we pray that you would reign in the lives of our dear children. Along with the children, we pray for their parents and siblings,
their friends and classmates. We pray for everyone in the schools, from the homeschoolers to the principals and staff to the bus drivers, the crosswalk guards. We pray for their safety. We pray for the custodial engineers and we pray for the lunch ladies, everyone who is a part of these children's lives. I pray for our Paragon children, those who are believers, and those who will come to know you in your time, that they would walk in love as you have loved them and you gave their, yourself for them. You gave yourself as a sacrifice for them that would include their sexual morality, that would keep them pure as they turn to you and look to you, that you would keep their talk clean. It's so easy to pick up habits in grade school that continue forever. I pray that along with our pastor's tongue, you would be Lord over their tongues. I pray that you would cause them not to be greedy, but have hearts that share, that even extend to their sharing of their own inheritance in the kingdom of Christ. I pray for the children that they would walk in light and that they would have fruit in their lives resulting in all goodness, all righteousness and truth. Give them discernment, Lord, to what is pleasing to you. Help them so they do not participate in fruitless works that lead to darkness. But even in their lives, as warriors for Christ, that they would expose the darkness. Help us not to be sleepers spiritually but to awake, to rise from the dead of our walking in our own strength. I pray for our children that the light of Christ would shine in them. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time. Making the most of your time. We need to seize every opportunity to reach people for Christ. We forget that we live in evil days and we are in a battle daily. And in a few weeks we'll talk about that battle that we're in as we go into Ephesians chapter 6 with the spiritual armor. We need to make the most of our time though. Because unfortunately time is the one thing we don't get any more of. Once we've spent it, it's gone. And how we invest it is very important. As Robin Williams said in Dead Poet Society, Carpe Diem, seize the day, boys. Make your lives extraordinary. God wants us to have an extraordinary life. Do you understand what God wants you to do? It says in verse 17, don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Have you ever asked God the question, God, what, what's your will for my life? What do you want me to do? How do we know the answer to that? 
Well, you cannot know God's will without knowing God's word. You cannot know God's will without knowing God's word. If you don't get in the word on your own, how are you ever going to know what God has to say to you? That is the way that he really communicates with us. Now, there's other ways that he will as well, but that is a way that we can stay connected with him daily. And that's through prayer and being in his word and understanding. You have to plug into him to find out what he wants. Verse 18, it says, Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. This is a fun verse, and I'm sure that we could go all sorts of different ways with it, but what it's really telling us here that I want you to see is is when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, nothing else gets in to fog up our mind. When we're letting other things from the world, whether it be wine or whatever you want to put in there. It could be work. It could be pornography. It could be whatever. We let those things come in, and when we let those things come in, it fogs up our mind. Being filled with anything else other than the Holy Spirit replaces God. And that gets us out of where we're supposed to be at. Now, I was, I was thinking about this this week with this... Um, with this... Uh, bottle here it's empty how do you get the empty air out of the bottle you can squeeze it if you want to or you can try and maybe suck it out I don't know I'm, I'm not going to do that because that would just be weird um, the, uh, or or maybe what you can do is instead of having this emptiness in there, you can just fill it, fill it with water. And when you fill it to the very top, there's no more room for anything else inside of it. And if you decide to fill your life with God, if you decide to fill your life with the Holy Spirit, if you decide to walk the way we are called to walk when we gave our lives to Christ, when He took us out of that pit, out of the darkness, our lives should be filled with Him. And there's no more room for anything else. D.L. Moody, who uh, you may or may not know, um, famous evangelist, has a Moody Bible Institute up in Chicago, Illinois. Um, he said this. He said, The victory for a child of God does not come by working hard to eliminate sinful habits but rather by allowing the Holy Spirit to take full possession. You know, we can work hard on our own to try and take those things out of our lives. But if we just fill our lives with the Holy Spirit, those things, there won't be any room for those things anymore. And that's really where we are at. And that is really the reason why we're called to walk in love. That is the reason why we're called to walk in wisdom, to walk in the light, to walk in purity, is to get those things out of our lives and verse 19 and 20 talks about, well, as we walk in this wisdom, praising God and thanking Him for the things that He has done. Praising God and thanking Him for the things that He has done. You know, here shortly we're going to sing a couple of songs. We're going to sing about three more songs. And I think sometimes we, we come into, into worship, and I, I've said this before, but I'll say it again. I think we come into worship and, and the songs are, are good, but we're just kind of half-hearted singing them. And the message 
comes and, and we hear it, but we don't want to really take it. We, we think of church as something that we have to check off our spiritual checklist. But this should be a worship experience. We should be the ones walking out of here saying, God, thank you. Even though we come here to praise God and we come here to, to hear from God and we come here to, to be an audience for one, he always seems to bless us. He turns around, and I saw this quote this week uh, from, from Louis Giglio. It was on Monday. Louis Giglio a, um, was a youth speaker and, and now planted a church in Georgia. And, but he says, God doesn't feel more godlike because we met and worshipped him yesterday, but we should. And that's one of those things that I got to thinking about. We should. We should walk out of here feeling more godlike. But how many times do we walk out on Sunday feeling like, okay, I got that off my list. Now I can go on to mowing the grass later. Now I can do what's next. Now I can do this. Us lifting our praise to God is part of our worship experience, not expecting anything in return, but getting everything in return. That is part of walking in wisdom and understanding who God is. And here in just a minute, we're going to sing three more songs. And, and the songs uh, that we're going to be singing, one of them is a, is a real fun, um, responsive song. And it's, I am free to live. And uh, it'll be the last song I believe we're going to sing today. And uh, as, we, as we sing it, I, I hope that you can sing it out and, and, and really just thank God that we are free to live. That we are able to walk in wisdom and in the light because of what he has done for us and we're able to to walk in love and show that love to others there's one more point that we have in there and that is walk in submission walk in submission it says in verse 21 and further submit to one another out of reverence for christ and i'd like to go into this much deeper but instead i'm going to let the things that we have soak in and next week i want you to come back as we talk about walking in submission because that's one of those things that I think we can really focus on by itself. And we can really hit and, and look at, and, and it talks about how husbands and wives are to treat each other, how masters and slaves, how bosses and employees are supposed to treat each other. We're going to get into that next week. And if you want to hear about it, come. If you don't want to hear about it, stay away. Um, that, that's just, uh, it's just that simple. Um, the whole idea of what we do today is, is we're learning how to imitate God. We are finite, sinful beings trying to imitate a infinite perfect being is it fully possible not on your own but when we are walking in the light and we are walking in the love and and we are open to what god would have for us and we are completely filled with the holy spirit and not letting the other junk get in our way that we've taken off the old self and put on the new self it changes everything